week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Squinting Before the Dazzle by Throneberry. Minor missteps here and there, but I don't have a lot of negatives to say about the record. I think there's some things I like about this record. I, I don't I don't think it's all slam dunk. It's always good when you get a little distortion on the voice. kind of comes off as like 80s Peter Gabriel or Tears for Fears. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 153, 153, 153 of season three, the second to last review of the year for us. It's the uh, month of December. It's typical in Ohio, as uh, most people in Ohio know, today it was, we started the day, it was like 65 degrees, and then it's like 40 degrees and we're going to get snowstorms. That's Ohio <laughs> in December. Yeah. I actually so, had the window open today. Yeah. And now, and, and tomorrow it's going to be an apocalypse <laughs> of snow. Nobody will be able to drive. It's going to be chaos. Um, appropriately enough, we're talking about Ohio and we're also going to be reviewing an Ohio band. We haven't done one in uh, quite some time. But we've we've tackled some uh, some Cleveland bands. We've tackled some Columbus bands. We did a Dayton band. Uh, I don't think we've done a Cincinnati band. This is our first uh, time uh, heading down to that part of the state. And uh, we're going to talk about Throneberry and their 1998 album Squinting Before the Dazzle. Jay, were you familiar with Squinting Before the Dazzle before I suggested? Have we checked this album out? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I own this <laughs> uh, on CD. Didn't remember too much about it, but the name was familiar. The album cover's familiar, and I think I uh, rem- remember buying it. You know, in a in a local record store at one point. Gotcha. Uh, I was also well. Let me put it this way: this was a band I was aware of, sort of, kinda, but never really. Um, put the pieces together until long after they were gone. Um, so I mentioned we're reviewing their 1998 album. It's also their last album. And in about the mid-2000s, I think uh, we were actually playing a show. Our band was playing a show in Cincinnati. And I had heard the name Throneberry, as mentioned about being similar to the Afghan Wigs and having some connections to them. And we were in Cincinnati and we were at a record store and went in there and found this record used for a couple bucks. So I picked it up at that time and had it uh, up until the big great CD purge of whenever that happened. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I did a similar thing. I remember hearing about the band, and that's why I ended up buying it. I, I don't remember when it, when it was. I'm assuming it was around the same time you did. Right. Probably like, I'm going to guess in the 2002 to 2004 years. Okay. That's that's when we were doing the most of our a lot of our touring and when we were hitting Cincinnati, you know, a couple times a year. So that would have made sense. Uh, so we talked a little bit about Throneberry. Let's dive into the history of the band. History of the band. So Throneberry formed in 1990 in, as we mentioned, Cincinnati, Ohio, by singer guitarist Jason Arbenz and bassist Paul Cavins. Um, originally, they started playing together in the mid-80s. Um, they were together at uh, the University of Miami of Ohio. 
not to be confused with the University of Miami in uh, Florida. Uh, they were in a band called the Liquid Hippos. And the drummer in that band was Michael Horrigan, who would end up being the drummer on the last album for the Afghan Whigs. Hmm. So after that band broke up, um, they were in Cincinnati, Jason and Paul, and they joined, They were joined by Sam Wommels, Wommelsdorf, I think is how you say it, Wommelsdorf, um, who played guitar, and Steve McCabe on drums, and they formed Throneberry, named after Marvelous Marv Throneberry, the first baseman for the 1962 Mets, considered one of the worst teams in the history of professional baseball. Uh, they signed to Alias Records, and all of their releases came out on Alias Records. Their first album, Sangria, came out in 1993, and it was produced by Greg Dooley, who had been a roommate at one point of lead singer uh, and guitarist Jason Arbenz. Um, their second album, Trot Out the Encores, came out in 1996, followed by, the same year, the Gorilla Skies EP. Also that year, they opened for the Afghan, Afghan Wigs on, their, on the Wigs European tour, and McCabe left the band, and he was replaced by former Liquid Hippos drummer uh, Michael Horrigan. I don't actually—I don't know if he left the band or if he was unable to do the tour. But he was on—he was the drummer on that tour. So in 1998, their third album, Squinting Before the Dazzle, came out. That's also the year that um, the Wigs put out in 1965. So I'm, and Horrigan was the drummer on that. So I'm guessing that. Oregon was not the drummer for both bands. That was McKay must have been back in the band at that point. So there's not there's no Wikipedia for Throneberry. There is an all music page. And actually I pulled a lot of the information off of the Alias Records website, which um, I thought was sort of a local la- uh, label. But if you go through their artist list, they actually have had bands like American Music Club, Archers of Loaf, um, Yola Tengo, Knapsack. Caustic Resin, so they've, they've had a, quite a few um, kind of big bands for indie rock on their mm. uh, roster. So um, definitely an interesting label to uh, to check out. Uh, they're based out of... Uh, actually, I don't know where they're based out of. I thought it was Cincinnati, but I might be wrong about that. So anyway, so that's the history of Throneberry. Of course, if you would like to suggest a band and an album for us to review visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com starting on our 2014 suggestions i guess you'd say because uh 2013 is all filled up at this point um so we didn't get any facebook feedback which uh i was a little bit disappointed by that because jay's recent picks got feedback and then our you know, suggestions, picks, got feedback. And uh, the one time I make a pick in the last three months, and it doesn't get any feedback. So, mm. way What to does go. that tell us? Uh, it means I pick obscure bands that nobody cares about. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of... Uh, it seem, Well, yeah, it seems like we got a lot, a lot of Ohio listeners. I'm surprised somebody didn't chime in uh, remembering this band. Clearly, this, this all this passed them by without yeah. any sort of interest so let's get into the review of this album jay let's talk about squinting before the dazzle the third record by throneberry you mentioned that at some point you uh bought this record and then forgot about it so yeah revisiting did uh throneberry uh make you squint before their dazzle 
or were you left un undazzled? I, I definitely like it better now than I than I apparently did then. <laughs> um, it does remind me of a lot of bands um, from that era that mm -hmm. I think we both like. Um, that's both at times a good thing for this record and at other times maybe not so good. Uh, it starts off, I hear a lot of uh, Catherine Wheel on the first track and actually several of the tracks on the record. Really? Um, huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think the vocal at times, he, the, his phrasing and um, delivery reminds me a lot of uh, Rob Dickinson. Another some shoegazy big chord fuzzy guitar kind of ballad or slow songs on here um like shepherd song mm -hmm. um remind me of a lot of uh you know the catherine wheel stuff where they're channeling pink floyd um so it, i like the that element of the band um there's some really cool uh interesting second guitar work on this so track two mm -hmm. there's a slide intro and um, some really cool um, just uh, lead work and accents on the second guitar so I really like that um, I like uh, a song like Stolen it's got a very kind of crisp riff uh, reminding me a little bit of like Creeper Lagoon meets Dinosaur Jr. Um, dreamy chorus fuzzy, fuzzy um, guitar big roomy drums um, you know, that's another song where the second guitar plays some pretty interesting accents and, and leads. Um, it's just, that song and shut up to me have a really good, um, when they're, I guess in their most up tempo rock mode, mm -hmm. um, and they work pretty well. Um, I think shut up has probably the best hook on the record. Um, pretty decent from a pop standpoint. Um, the stuff I don't love is like Gorilla Skies where it sounds like they're trying to write a song off of Sgt. Pepper's. Um, there's, there's definitely a, of, a heavy Beatle influence on that song. 
Yeah, yeah, and it kind of comes off as like, I don't know, 80s Peter Gabriel or Tears for Fears or like a, a <laughs> bad imitation of those bands. Like it just doesn't work. It's just kind of goofy and there's some points on it where it's like it goes beyond. There's some lines he delivers and some some melodies and things they play on the organs and the sounds they're using that are just, it goes beyond like being inspired to like almost parodying, um, you know, the Beatles. Uh, Sergeant Pepper era stuff. that's a song where i don't i don't know where they're going with that um and then there's just some other stuff where um it's not a horrible misstep but like let's hear it for decay not not bad it just it it rambles a little bit it's not quite as sharp um it it, uh um it's not like isn't it a pity same thing it's kind of a weird six eight halftime thing or it's just a weird timing and it's kind of a that's an example of it's got some of the elements of the other songs too that I like. So it's like a mix of, of a you know a power pop and almost shoegazy chorus, like a, a back and forth that they do. It just doesn't quite. It's not quite as together as some of the other material is. Um, and then you mentioned uh, the Afghan Wigs. The only song that really on here that I thought of the Afghan Wigs was is it Quinny Piak. Um, I think he kind of does a very, um, you know, uh, Greg Dooley style vocal on that kind of a boozy, drunken sounded verse, you know, um, the vocal and the chorus is, you know, it sounds a little bit like, you know, when Dooley's just on a hinge of going off key and pushing his voice. But um, that was probably the only song that I really... I thought of them at all. Um, not a great song on the record. It's okay. It's just mm-hmm. kind of me, kind of meandering. Um, I do like the the way the album ends. I think "See Me Off" is a is a one of the better um, album enders that I think we've heard in a while. Um, has a kind of a almost like a Wilco esque melody in the verse. It's got a lot of pop and bounce to it. Um, you know, it has this you know farewell kind of sentiment to the lyrics and saying goodbye, which is just kind of a nice way to, to end the record as opposed to I think a lot of the records it seems we review in the 90s like the last track is some kind of like experimental 10 minute long noise fast <laughs> with a with a hidden track at the end um, it's kind of nice to just go out on a, um, you know, more of an upbeat um, pop kind of a kind of tune so mm-hmm. yeah I think there's some things I like about this record I, I don't I don't think it's all slam dunk um, I think some of it's forgettable but there's um certainly a handful of stuff here that is um uh, i enjoyed what'd you think 
Well, it was fun going back to this record because I remembered it fairly well, especially the first half of the record, um, as me thinking, oh, wait, this is definitely... I had I, read in somewhere that they were called the Baby Wigs. Like, this was a band that was always opening for them in Cincinnati and that they were constantly compared to them and in some ways could not get out of the shadow of the wigs. And listening back to this, I hear a lot more individuality than I did the first time around. And um, there, there are points where, and it's, there are, uh, I think it's Jason Arbenz is actually singing on most of the record, but I think that um, Sam Wommelsdorf sings on like three of the tracks, which are Let's Hear It For Decay, Stolen, and set me off. I think those are his, his three tracks. Um, and he definitely has a different sounding voice than uh, Jason Arbenz. And he doesn't get as boozy and raspy as as uh, Arbenz gets, which I think where that comparison come from comes from. Um, and I know that in terms of their previous records, especially Sangria, which was produced by Dooley, uh, the NME or, or Melody Maker, one of those British magazines, said it said it was a boozy sounding record. So that that carried along that sort of at, uh, attribute to his voice was carried along through each of the records. Um, and I, you know, I think on Shut Up, actually, that song reminds me a lot of later Wigs and even like Dooley's work with the Twilight Singers, um, the guitar part and the way his phrasings for that song. Remind me of it. Down at the Foundry is, which was is still one of my favorite songs on the record from back when I first discovered it. Um, sort of a weird like working class uh, anthem, and uh, gets these big choruses, and it, and it has this 1965 early Twilight Singers sort of big anthemic uh, chorus sounding uh, vocal part. And that's one of the things I like is that they do a lot of like layering of the of the vocals in the chorus where they get like like on summer school um when they get to the uh it's summer school line like they all shout it together um yeah. i and i i think his vocal i think his or not his vocals i think his lyrics are kind of smart and interesting in, in a lot of different ways in the summer school it's the the chorus he says it's summer school it's got a misfit it's got an island of the misfit toys appeal um, which I like that line. And then in um, uh, Let's Hear It For Decay, which is actually Wommelsdorf's song, uh, it's like the third verse after the 
bridge solo and um he said he says something like um oh, what's the exact lyric uh he's making he's basically making a crack at like pop songwriting um which i think what that song is essentially about um i think they're taking a shot at like the decay of of rock music in the 90s um these He's like, we gotta join this hit parade, so get your four track cracking, um, we'll, and we'll get started one of these lazy days. Fun commentary on what was going on in the '90s, I think, is what he's getting at there. Um, but I hadn't picked. I think you know when you said that thing about Catherine Wheel on the first record, that totally sounds like a Happy Days era Catherine Wheel song. Like I can hear, I can hear that up against like Judy staring at the sun and way down and. Or not way down, but like uh, some of those other tracks on that record, um, totally has that feel to it. And I like yeah. their. I, I, other thing I was gonna say, I like the variance in the guitar tone from song to song. You know, that's mm-hmm. got a very in-your-face, buzzy sort of guitar lead on that track. And then there are other ones where it's a bit more restrained, or they use a vibrato. Um, I like. Isn't it a pity they do this like really nice uh, tremoloed sort of lead that. Um, uh, is real. It's it's clean and pretty, and then they get sort of nasty in some other parts. So they definitely play around with their with their tones, and and I kind of enjoyed that a lot too. A lot of bands don't do that anymore. Yeah, they do use a lot of um, different tones and effects. They play well off of each other. The two guitar parts. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a nice interplay there. Um, overall, the record sounds. I think it sounds really good. I like the sound of it. It sounds, uh, it's just a nice mix of, um, you know, it sounds tight and big, but it still has a loose, um, wouldn't say live feel to it, but it just has a, like a, a slightly ragged, loose feel to it that, uh, just makes it, you know, sound real, um, which is nice. Yeah. Down at the Foundry has, um, I felt that at least the verses and that sounded very Catherine Will-esque. And one of the things I liked about him was um, the vocal melody in the verse is kind of playing with the, there's a piano melody accompanying it. And and they kind of do a nice um, interplay where they'll lock up, especially after the first chorus, they come back in and they start singing a verse. And then he kind of, um, all of a sudden really locks up with the melody of the piano and they sing, mm-hmm. they sing the same line together and then he kind of breaks Yeah. I love that because it's, it's just this like, you know, these two melodies walking along, the whole, you know, all the verses and there's moments where they kind of fall and step together and then there's moments where they're, you know, kind of get out of step and it's, it's just a nice little um, performance and, and idea. Um, I enjoy that quite a bit and uh, it's pretty smart. Now I, I I do want to mention in terms of the production it was it's uh, Joe Chicarelli I think is how you pronounce his name um, he's been a producer for a long time since the '80s and he's produced by albums by going back to the '80s Oingo Boingo uh, is one and uh, he's mm. also worked with U2 uh, more recently he's worked with artists uh, such as Alanis Morissette Dropkick Murphys. Um, Jason Mraz, The Strokes, Young the Giant, Minus the Bear. When you put those names back after each other. My Morning Jacket, The Shins, Manchester Orchestra, 
uh, Tori Amos. I mean, he's hmm. got a he's got a and he also worked on a um, several Frank Zappa albums. Oh boy. And he engineered the White Stripes' Icky Thump. Hmm. As well as the Rock and Tours' Consolers of the Lonely, which he got a, um, his eighth Grammy Award for that, for Best Engineered Album. So, I mean, they had a heavy hitter working on this record. Um, so that's I think that uh, accounts for you know the quality of the sound. I also like, you know, they weren't afraid to do some layering. Um, one of the things I like about Summer School is... There's a, a really subtle but cool piano part that comes in like towards the end of the song. I think it's a, it's maybe electric piano or a Rhodes or something like that. It's just sort of like a fun, bouncy part, but it's really kind of buried in the mix. So you have mm-hmm. to sort of you know throw on the headphones and, and dig into the record a little bit to hear. But they do a lot of that where they'll have like little extra guitar parts or keyboard parts. They'll just kind of come in and out on songs or um, layered vocal parts. Um, I liked the fact that when Wolmosdorf was singing, you could hear Arbenz doing the harmonies in the background, even if they weren't mm-hmm. that loud. He was mm-hmm. still contributing a vocal to the track. And I, I think when they sing together, they actually sound pretty good. Not that I need them to do like some sort of Jayhawks harmony the whole time, but they do have pretty contract. Um, Arbenz has that like higher rasp. So mm-hmm. it works well with that sort of mid-tempo monotone of uh, Wolmelsdorf. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and I liked the... I liked that there's just like little production touches that I liked. Like at the beginning of Let's Hear for Decay, uh, there's like a, a drum loop sort of sound to the to the drums for that song. Um, I think I there's liked... a drum loop that goes through that. I think that drum loop actually goes through a lot of the song. Like you don't notice it until they go to um, they come on out of the chorus or something. You can hear it still kind of in there. Yeah, and I liked in Stolen. Um, it's kind of a slippery song in that it it moves in and out of this uh, this like two or three note guitar lead. Uh, I think a lot of bands would overkill it, but they only introduce it on like the back half of the verse. That like dinner 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 part that that goes on. Mm. Um, yeah. I really like that uh, as a as a little extra melody line in the, when in the verses. He's I think his voice is a little bit distorted on that, which makes it sound cooler. It's always good when you get a little distortion on the voice. Um, but yeah, going back and and listening to it, it was it was fun and it reminded me of like how there are no bands sort of like doing just straight up rock. Like to me, this is kind of just like a straight up rock record with a little bit of midwestern you know, touch to it. Um, like you mentioned, there's that subtle little Wilco sort of sound to that, like the last song. And, you know, uh, you wouldn't get that. You don't get that. To, a band would just completely sound like Wilco today rather than just sort of having a little bit of a, a sound similar to them on one particular track. So did, uh, you didn't mention Gorilla Skies. What did you think of that song? I like that song. It's it's not my favorite on the record as far as the slow songs go. It de- I mean it has such a heavy Beatle influence. It's sort of unavoidable. And they actually released it as an EP on an EP two years before with a cover of um, "Everyone Knows This Is Nowhere" by uh, Neil Young, which is one of my favorite Neil Young songs of all time. Um, so I appreciated that 
that cover that they did uh, when I when I discovered the EP after I found this record. So, um, so they, that's an older song that they obviously thought was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I need to listen to the original version to see if it's produced the same way. I be, uh, I would be curious to hear it too. I don't remember. I think I I have the MP3s somewhere, so I'd have to go back and like dig them out. Um, it, for, it's uh, it's actually on uh, Spotify. I just, just saw that. So they have um, what looks like probably their whole discography on on Spotify. Yeah, it should be three albums and an, an EP is their main yeah. discography aside from any you know compilations or whatever. They also they had a little bit of I don't want to say fame, but they contributed to the Tom Petty. Uh, tribute that it came out in the 90s and they did a version of uh, You Got Lucky, I think. Hmm. So, or that's the name of the compilation, I can't remember. It's one of the two. Uh, but anyway, yeah, everybody should, you know, hopefully from the music we've played during this episode, you'll have enjoyed this particular band and want to go check them out. All the stuff's on Spotify, which is nice. Uh, yeah, they have a single from 91, another one from 92. Real Sky is 96, and then all the records, so it's cool. pretty comprehensive. Yeah, I don't even—I haven't even heard those first. I didn't—I don't think I've heard "Trot Out the Encores" or those early singles. I think I've heard "Sangria" maybe once back in the day, but I don't recall. Um, so I'm looking at the uh, related artists on Spotify. Today. Yeah, I don't know any of these bands. I'll rattle some off. Um, my dad is dead. <laughs> Five eight, Black yeah. Cab, Garage Land, Happy Refugees, Bunny like, Grunt. These sound like all fake bands from movies. I know they do. Like uh, Airport Girl, Splitsville. It sounds like the name of a band from a '90s teen movie that, like Brecken Meyer, would have been the lead singer of, along with, uh, along with, uh, I don't know, somebody else. Car sick cars. What? That's not real. These none of Car sick cars. Kid Congo in the pink something. I'm afraid to pink monkey birds. No. So, yeah. Those are all fake bands. Are these all like Ohio bands or something? I don't know. I have no idea. I've never bios up here. Yeah. It's probably the same followers. Probably the same violets up on all music, I'm guessing. <clears throat> Short. Yeah, and this, as is the and there's no related artists on all music, which is hard to do. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about the record. This is a hard one because I, I like the record a lot, so I feel, I'm into one of those places where I'm like, yeah, there's some there's some minor missteps here and there, but I don't have a lot of negatives to say about the record because I, I think it's a solid listen all the way through. And I even though they put back to back slow songs from at four and five on the record, it doesn't really disrupt it for me. Um, you think that that would start to that would really drag down the first half of the record, but I think Shepherd's song is so strong that uh, it carries it into the second half of the record. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. The the slow songs are not. Um, the, uh, sometimes on records, when we get to the slow songs, you know, you kind of fade and tune out a little bit because mm-hmm. it's it's just it's, uh, we've talked about this. It's just harder to write a good slow song. It just is. There's more space to fill. There's more. You're paying attention, attention more. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, a lot of bands aren't good at doing that. It's very, very difficult. Um, they pull that off pretty well. They, yep. You know, a lot of that could be the production. Um, 
of the record in terms of you know using different instruments and layering things and um but uh whatever the reason you know the slow songs are not a downer i, I think for me it's just um it's more of you know there's a there's uh, a group of songs in here that are just from a song standpoint um you know a little bit looser not quite as sharp not quite as focused as others and that's really my only complaint so one last note uh jason arbenz is in a new band with his brother in cincinnati called goose that's that's the only thing i've been able to find because i tried to get him or sam wolmelsdorf on the show and i couldn't even track him down so (laughs) we're the album better ep decent single let's get this wrapped up i'm at a uh, where am i at i'm gonna say worthy album i i think i'm a little bit maybe we're on the same boat here i like it i don't know that i love it um there's some songs that i really like a lot and um you know would love to hear from time to time unlike like maybe like jump little children i don't know if i'll be going back you know right away to to, to spin this mm-hmm. after we've done this episode so I think it's worth the album worth listening to, especially if you like a lot of the bands that we mentioned, because there's just not a lot of bands that sound like them. You know what I mean? There's not a lot right. of there's not a lot of other bands in the Afghan Wigs, Catherine Wheel, you know, kind of area. So if you like those bands, and we both like those bands, so I think for us it, it connects just because of the similarities there. We we yep. actually appreciate that part. I'm I'm with you, and I've said it earlier. I, I think this is a worthy album. Um, I don't think there are a lot of missteps on this record uh, I think it's interesting and I think it's got above average lyrics which you know I think by the time of the mid to late 90s rolled around there got a lot of bands that were pumping out some crap lyrics so I think that this I think he's a, he's an interesting and occasionally witty songwriter um, and uh, I just I, I like the like there's a little bit of swagger to the record that I like so, um, you know, they, they're definitely going for some, um, some pop in the, in the choruses here and there, but I think more importantly, they're trying to be a, an interesting rock band first and foremost. And I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I'm at worthy album. So if you like what you heard on this record, please leave us some positive feedback over on our iTunes page. As we've previously mentioned, if you leave us positive feedback on the iTunes page during the month of December, we will pick one person who has left, left us feedback and we will choose you for a free review in our 2014 season. You will get to pick an album for us to review. No donation required. Uh, of course, you can make your own request of an album by visiting our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. It's just that simple. So for Jay, I am Tim. That is our review of Throneberry's 1998 album. Squinting Before the Dazzle will be back next week for our final review of the 2013 season. See you then, kids. We'll be back with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com. 
where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Mm-hmm.